The Glue Guys is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Nets ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks ticket prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers. Then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. It is so simple. The app is quick and easy to navigate. I'm telling you, it is an easy process. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. And Brian, new this year, we are on the Athletic. So exciting to finally say it after all of these weeks and months thinking about it. This move, this transition, we are finally here. We are on the Athletic for all of our old subscribers or listeners. We're on the athletic. How great does it feel for you, Brian? I'm it sure feels it feels tremendous. I'm so happy for <laughs> us. <laughs> um, no, it's cool. It's a cool partnership. We're glad to, uh, yeah, we're glad to be on board. Um, why don't you walk everybody through if anything changes, and if so, what? So the basics of it are: well, one, I have a little gift for all of our listeners: forty percent off an annual subscription from the Athletic. Go to theathletic.com/slash glue guys. Not the glue guys, but just slash glue guys. You get 40% off an annual subscription. You get not only all of our podcasts, but you're going to get all the other podcasts that you may want and all the beautiful articles that are coming down about the NBA and sports overall uh, from The Athletic. For, for like what our listeners are going to be different, shouldn't really be all that different. Um, we are going to do at least one show a week free, if not more, probably more. Um, Brian's been spearheading our sort of larger digital imprint, which means you're going to get more glue guys in your life. And we're also going to do free, not free, but subscriber only shows. That'll be sort of special episodes once a week, maybe post game shows going to be maybe a couple. We're not going to put interviews there. Interviews are all going to be free. Whenever we get a big guest, it's going to be on the free side, but it's just little special individual episodes, maybe a little shorter stuff. 15-minute episodes, post-games, that'll be for subscribers only, which is a reason why you should subscribe, theathletic.com slash glue guys. Brian, I'm I mean, so among all the other amazing, cool things you get, it's not just our show you're subscribing to. It's it's the whole website, so it's like, you know, all those dank Shams articles and stuff that you are waiting till they get, like, snipped and put on Twitter. You can actually read them in their entirety and just be a super well-versed NBA fan. You know what I mean, Mike? Yeah, and the, so it's a really great... We're pumped to be on The Athletic because what it's going to mean for the show also is that we're going to get pretty darn good guests to actually be on the show. Um, we're going to get people from The Athletic, some big names, you know. We're going to get them, try to get them on pretty consistently so we can kind of share that basketball knowledge about the Nets. 
Um, so the shows, you're going to get more of us, actually, even though we'll be behind a paywall some of the time. You're going to get bigger guests by listening to us. And I sh- we should say there's probably going to be a lot of new people jumping on board athletic subscribers who we are brian who are we I, I, I that's such a deep question i almost can't even imagine how to answer that but what we are is we are two guys who've been podcasting about the nets since the kg paul pierce trade and we've survived like the nets fan base and now we are here at the the dawning of a new age the Kyrie kevin durant era and come listen along with us follow along in this beautiful journey that is the brooklyn nets well let me just under- say this you've you've sold yes. our fandom way short i mean this is a lifelong <laughs> pursuit of whatever it is the nets are doing um or had been doing up until recently um but yeah i mean like you know a Jer- couple of jersey guys well mike's from maryland but i'm from new jersey um so I grew up with the team and all that stuff i don't know are there gonna be new people listening to this i feel it's gonna be all the same old people anyways <laughs> are there new people who are the new I people i feel like we're gonna get like five new listeners who are subscribers to the athletic that love yeah. nets content but somehow had not been part of our universe yet the, for those five people we welcome you into the big 10 yeah. we are a big 10 and hit, a, hit us up on uh on twitter at bk glue guys you know what i mean um but it's super exciting, and what this specific pod will be, this is our season preview pod, because as you're listening to this, this is the first week of NBA basketball, and the Brooklyn Nets are as interesting as they have been in a decade and a half, maybe. I guess you could say they were pretty interesting after the KG Paul Pierce trade, but what we are going to do is preseason superlatives, guessing the superlatives about each of the members of the team. We've created our own categories. This is a bit we've been doing for many seasons now. I regrettably have made really bad sort of uh, predictions earlier in seasons. Brian, you've always been pretty spot on. I'm not gonna. I mean, you've always kind of nailed it. Is that right? I don't even. I don't even remember. My, my takes are often so correct that I don't even pay attention anymore. <laughs> um, no, is that true? Well, we, you know what we should do? We should start out with a more positive one because I feel uh, when going through these, I always realize how cynical we are. Like all the <laughs> most of them trend trend negative. Um, let's do you want to? I mean, let's first a get started and b start with a positive one. How does that sound? Yeah, why don't you pick the positive one out? Because they are like because again, we built this structure four seasons ago. Yeah, and things were tell, dark. <laughs> things were yeah. dark. Yeah. So like pretty much all of them, none of them are like how wow this guy's going to be great for the team. It's all about like this guy's sort of a fraud. So that's kind of how we've all built this up. So what's the most positive one do you see on the list? So this one on its face doesn't seem positive because this is the Jeremy Lin Award, uh, a.k.a. the <laughs> Is This the Year Award. Um, so there is a lot of but basically baked into that. I mean, Jeremy Lin has has his own you know issues of, of is it going to be the year which he is, you know, realizes all of his potential, so on and so forth. That didn't happen. But in general, that's a positive message, you know realizing one's potential is generally positive um so why don't we start with that one mike perfect uh why don't you give me your answer and then i will play off of that so for me the guy that has sort of eluded the expectations on a season-long like ppg and just general statistical level is karis levert is seems to me to be the guy that's like is this the year where he for the entirety of the season or, you know, most of the season plays at a high level and is like kind of the consensus second best player on this team. And um, my vote is that that's probably going to be the case. Um, I just see he's got a real Bunsen burner 
under his bones this this preseason so far, um, despite getting gouged in the eyeball by Anthony Davis. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's that's just sort of my hot take. Mike, give me yours. If you disagree with that, you're wrong. Yeah, I mean, this category is really just uh, an excuse for me to to talk about Karis LeVert because we've done podcasts in the past where we'll end up not talking about the most important people on the team. And to me, Karis LeVert is the most important person on the Nets this season. You know, we know what we're going to get from Kyrie, at least on the court. The thing that we don't know and the, the, most, the biggest X factor, if you will, is Karis LeVert. I'm, I'm so bullish on Karis LeVert, Brian. I'm so positively bullish wow. because what I saw from him in the playoffs, and he's even mentioned it, I think, in a couple of interviews before the season, he was about the only net who showed up in the playoffs and actually performed at a, a decent level, decent to really good level. Uh, it wasn't D'Lo. Joe Harris certainly had like a horrific first round against the 76ers. But Karis LeVert played up to a level that you really want to see from a guy his age, of his talent level, and of the projection that we're all projecting forward for him. And there's like there's the one big thing hanging over his possible success, which is an outside shot. But he's he is already productive enough without having a really reliable outside shot that at the very least he should get like a little bit better in all the other areas that will improve his game overall. And if he does happen to shoot the ball a little bit better, his overall production will be all star level. And if Karis LeVert's an all-star, along with Kyrie Irving, then the Nets are way more interesting. And we'll get to our like win total prediction. But they're way more interesting than, um, you know, than what's being predicted in the national media, Brian. You know, like the Nets, the Nets are being viewed as a 500 team nearly, and it's it's hurtful, mm. and I think it's incorrect. That's how I, I mean. Feel. I have so much to say about these expectations coming in at 42 43 wins again um i but we can get into all that i do want to parlay this into a whole different self-aggrandizing spiel though um if i may um <laughs> slightly, it's only slightly off topic though this is a talking point for a different i don't know line of questioning but um in general i think later down the line we're going to be asking is kevin durant going to play this year here's here's what i'm trying to do here so you know how before we were talking about how my takes are generally the most accurate in the world of sports entertainment? Um, yes, it always is. That was most true of Karis LeVert's uh, quote-unquote, I'm using giant air quotes, horrific injury. Because let me tell you what, I dug in, you know, my my having spent too much time on 4chan <laughs> and the internet in general, my stomach has been, it's a cast iron skillet. And I can peer in close to an injury like that. And I knew, and, I, and we had a text thread going on, um, that that was not the career-ending injury that everyone was making it out to be. And I was generally um, completely validated. Um, that being said, I did on our Twitch channel at uh, twitch.tv backslash glue guys join the fun. I had a you know three-hour stream just doing preseason research. And I was looking at Kevin Durant's Achilles injury and doing some very, uh, like, not so just completely non scientific um, research on Achilles injuries by watching other similar injuries and things like that. Um, there's all kinds of conspiracies floating around. Um, the big question about Kevin Durant 
and I'm going to ask you to answer the same question: Is Willie play this year? And I don't want to be the guy that has all you know, putting all the pressure. But if you, if you, with a gun to my head, and I, and you know, am I going to be right or wrong on this? I want to be right. And my feeling is, I think he will play this year, just based on what I've seen, what I've pieced together, and my cast iron skilled stomach. Um, and I'm positively nestled inside your cast iron skillet stomach, and I'm lapping up whatever you're creating in there because I totally agree. It's gravy. It is a gravy today. <laughs> uh, Kevin Durant's gonna. I mean, okay. I'm saying he's gonna play this year, as in like I'm basing it off of the same sort of science that you're basing it off of, and like I, I know I have like a mocking tone, but like honestly. You know, that injury, the Achilles injury is an eight to ten month injury. It can be longer for some people. It could be it could be eight, ten, twelve, yeah. fifteen months. You know, it could be a, a, a wide spectrum. I've just we've analyzed we've seen Kevin Durant out and about, walking around, doing the things he's supposed to be doing. Uh from what we understand about the person himself, the, he's the same the same person who tore his Achilles in the NBA finals is the same guy who did everything he could to get to play in the NBA Finals from an injury that he shouldn't have been playing from, from what we understand at I this mean, point, at least the kind of the kind of non scientific, um, anecdotal like evidence that I'm pointing to is like look at John Wall's injury. Go everybody, go to YouTube and look at John Wall's injury when he uh, tore his Achilles. The guy's writhing around; he's ready to be taken out behind the woodshed. You know, uh, the the it is. Everyone reacts differently to everything, and I get that. This is why this is unscientific. But I'm just saying, I think that there's <laughs> there's a spectrum yeah. of this kind of injury, and and there's a, the conspiracy is that it's only partially ruptured and put back together by science, by future science. Um, that's a conspiracy theory I'm willing to traffic in, you know, because the stakes are so low for me. Um, yeah, it, yeah, and and like I want to address so like. If you were a casual Nets fan or a casual NBA fan and you're getting the alerts on your phone from ESPN, Bleacher Report, The Athletic, whoever they may be, you're getting these notifications on your phone and it says, Sean Marks, uh, we won't rush Kevin Durant back, whatever he said. And Kevin Durant said on Hot 97, he said, Nets fans don't expect me to play this year. Though, I don't. did you watch that interview where Durant spoke about that? With It was the same interview that Durant also talked about the Knicks not being cool. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you watch it? So the just talking about the Achilles part, when they said about, you know, like are you gonna come back? Should the guy the literally the interviewer said, should Nets fans expect you this season? And Durant basically said no. It wasn't like Durant was like came out firmly and said, Listen, Nets fans, I'm not I'm not playing this year. He didn't say that. He said they shouldn't expect an expectation. That's a fair thing to say. It's like don't expect Kevin Durant to come back. But, I mean, based on, honestly, just based on the injury timelines of previous people who have had this injury, it's quite reasonable to assume that Kevin Durant will come back from injury. And I can almost guarantee that there are a few people within the organization right now that probably already know that Kevin Durant is or is not coming back, Like, like just based off of his rehab at this moment. Like I would, I think they have a pretty good sense of whether that's going to happen. I think it's going to happen, and I, and and it it again shouldn't be an expectation, but it it bears not completely cellaring the thought that Kevin Durant is going to play. I think he's going to play. I think he's going to be out there playing twenty minutes a game in April, and then we'll see where we go from there. Very cool. Um, <clears throat> well, we did it. We trafficked in the conspiracy. Um, <laughs> let's get back on track. Do you want another slightly positive one? 
Yes, please. This one's completely. This is a fluffy one. Um, it's uh, it's there's not a whole lot of hot takes to be had in here, but it does um, make us talk about for me one of the more important players on the team. Um, so this is Isaiah Whitehead Spin Move Award. Uh, this is basically an award to the like um, a, a singular move that you are going to see like tons from a specific player over the course of the year. Um, this preseason is any indication i'm going to say that we're going to be seeing Kyrie's this this dribble move where he basically starts a a pivot and then modifies that into this strong handed just like the rest of the 90 degree spin move that he pulls back into a left-handed dribble uh he did it like almost every possession he possibly could have uh in preseason and um, I love it. It's a thing that I used to do when I was playing, like you know, pickup games with with, and I could have you know um, afford to just launch the ball into um, uh, just out of bounds because it's really easy to do that with this thing. Um, but it, uh, yeah, that's that's the move I, you're going to see. I'm, we'll, we should do push-ups every time we see it because we'll be in great shape at the end of the season, Mike. My move this year that I think we're going to see a lot of and that I'm worried it won't be as effective as this year is the straight line to the basket drive by Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm, I'm worried that it's not going to work as well as Spencer did last year because last year, you know, the evolution of Spencer Dinwiddie was when we first knew him he was mr high assist to low turnover ratio dude the four assist to one turnover and not that much of a score then last year he became this mega scorer off the bench and his move was to just fly to the hoop or shoot threes and i worry that the book's going to be out on spencer dinwiddie and it's not going to work you really, well, you really flipped the script on believe. this one. It's the, it's the movie we're going to see that you <laughs> that I'm worried that about. You're worried about seeing the anxiety award. Um, I think you should be more worried about that step back three. That's the one that should should really concern. <laughs> damn you. worried about that. <laughs> that uh, that's he has been letting that loose in preseason early and often. Um, but yeah. Um, do you? Can I ask you something? Uh, do you think that so Spencer has dubbed himself a tech guy with a jumper? Do you think Spencer feels like he has to live up to that nickname, as in he has to shoot jumpers? Um, well, so here's my thing with Spencer Dinwiddie's growth and where he should be. Um, I don't know if this... So, like, in general, last year, he... Uh, like Every year, he's gone up, like, four or five points per game and just improved in general in a lot of places. This season, I think that that's also very possible... Um, but it's not going to be in the same kind of, if you want to get from that 17 points per game range up into the 20 points per game range, um, you're getting into a pretty elite, elite territory. Um, and so a lot of the ways that he did that, I think is, is like getting hot in late game situations. Um, a lot of comeback moments and like relying on him for, uh, being a spark plug in, um, when like D'Angelo Russell wasn't you know on or Karis Levert was injured as he uh, as he was for a big portion of the season, in this case you know we don't have a super great second point guard and that's like the sort of natural position that he's going to fill. Um, right. So my concern is a little bit with his role because uh, he's going to necessarily need to like regress back to not last year but the year before that where he was the assist to turnover ratio twelve points per game guy. And I don't know that he wants to be that way. I mean, so long as we don't have a second point guard that's like able to just like maintain a lead, you know. Right. I'm a little. I am a little worried 
like so i can't decide in my head what the team actually does need the most do they want spencer dinwiddie to be leading the second offense that type of dude offense all around him him going downhill still giving out assists but mostly kind of looking for his shot or should the team as the way you're describing it should he be more spencer 1.0 version not 2.0 version 1.0 version being ball handler assist run the offense because the team around him is different and when wilson chandler comes back not that i'm like banking on wilson chandler but i think there's going to be more professional talent around him in the second unit this year than there had been in years prior and i he's also going to be on on the floor with karis he's going to be at the floor at times with kyrie irving and i think the more effective role for him probably is to be back to focusing on defense which really kind of was not where it was the previous year and to be more to the ball handler steady hand type dude what i would really love is if theo pinson could be that conservative second oh, no. guard like and give oh no <laughs> no he's not going that he's not going to be i want that person that, that i want to have that on our roster somewhere a shabazz napier yeah. like that's the that's the shabazz yeah. napier um and theo pinson I, i'm not saying that i want him to be that because i don't think he can be that and that's not his natural proclivity to be that um but it would make me feel a lot better about spencer's role if there was a shabazz napier um to play that conservative second point guard role um can i yeah. let me jump to this next category the randy foy award the randy foy award is the i think i'm playing too much uh superlative it is the guy who like randy foy was on the floor just way too much and previous designated holders of the randy foy award were actually one point spencer dinwiddie so i have been wrong on that before my randy foy is a bit of an alteration brian mm-hmm. it's I think I'm playing too much, and the thought bubbles above the fan base, and the guy <laughs> wow. is David Nawaba. Wow, wait, I, I am already Hold seeing see Nawaba backlash. This. It's the, okay. it's the, it's the player who Nets Twitter is most saying like a Travion Graham, like the guy who Nets Twitter says he shouldn't be playing as much as he is. See, for me, this and, this kind of I feel like we need to rename this award because the Randy Foy element is what throws it off. Like Randy Foy was like an 11-year <laughs> veteran or something like that. Um right. whereas David Nwaba is just a you know, scrappy young G pup. League bring up like call up or whatever. <laughs> so like <laughs> watching David Nwaba versus, you know, watching us an 11-year you know, second string that is um it's different, but I, I take your point. I take your if it's just about playing too much, then I guess I can take your point because this we should really rename this the the Quincy AC and or Travion Graham Award. It could be just the Travion Graham Award. Who who would be your guy? You think the people are going to be most annoyed with watching? So or do you have a Randy Foy original that you want to you want to impart? I I mean just on that basis, I sort of like I have no reason to really suspect this. I was mostly checking the boxes of like, is he a vet? Um, does he probably not have a super high ceiling? Is there a younger guy whose position he could be filling like, you know, and we're not watching that dude grow. Um, I feel like I'll like him, but that he will be served that similar blockade is Garrett Temple. Like I don't have anything wrong with Garrett Temple, uh, or I don't have any problems with him as a player or whatever. I think he'll, he'll be fine and a good role player, but, um, you know, I feel like, 
I guess I don't know. I guess I don't know who who's like he who he, he would be blocking in the rotation. Um, if maybe like just like Musa, Musa, yeah. M- <laughs> yeah, really the guy. it's just Musa. And uh, I don't think I'm wrong for wanting to see more Musa. Damn it! Um, but no, I'm not really angry at Garrett Temple, and uh, presumably he'll be fine. But you know, I'm I have my I'm watching out for him. Okay, bottom line. Um, let's let's just jump into a Kyrie Irving discussion because Great. it needs to be had. Great. Um. So there's no superlative for Kyrie Irving just yet, but we'll we'll get there. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to predict the stats and headlines. Really more, how is he going to be on the floor, and what what will be the discussion about him off the floor? Uh, for me, please, I on the floor predicting stats or whatever. You know, twenty five and seven, whatever it is, doesn't really matter. But he's going to be. Uh, 10% more effective at running the offense than D'Angelo Russell was, uh, which means he's going to be awesome. Um, I have no doubt that he's going to fit beautifully with what the Nets are going to do. He is the perfect player for this Kenny Atkinson system, putting quotes around it because, you know, whatever. But he's going to look phenomenal as a net as long as he's healthy. The headlines, Brian, will be... Uh, unfortunately, surrounding him and swirling around him, and they will all be, I'm not going to say fake news, I'm not not doing that, but it's going to be the type of things that are, that are, the stories will be based off of his previous character and not of who I feel Kyrie Irving really is at this point. Um, I don't think, I, I don't think this team's going to have any problem with having Kyrie as the lead dog this season. I don't think there's going to be I don't think there'll be a single real problem. Seriously. I think it's just going to be because I, I trust in Karis Levert's sort of mentalities. The mentality has always been sort of lunch pail. You know, it's always just been, I'm going to continue on my path. I'm doing what I'm doing, improving bit by bit. He's never tried to jump the line, quote unquote, to get where he wants to be. Spencer Dinwiddie recruited him. DeAndre Jordan wanted to play here and was part of the package that brought over KD and Kyrie. Tor- Torian Prince, what does he care? He's just trying to get a big contract. He may be an element that may be a bad element. You know, like you just look across the roster, it is so different from the Celtics situation that I'm not worried about this Kyrie. Um, I pretty much agree t- entirely, and I'll even give you the headlines to start with. Um, oh, I love it. They're going to be about Chinese. Well. They're, they're going to be about the Chinese rust that's happening because um, I think there is going to be Chinese rust to start this season a little bit. You know, you come out one of two or whatever or, uh, you know, something something like that. You get some early losses that are just due to that that amount of travel <clears throat> or whatever. I know we should really actually do the analytics on do teams that go to China actually come back and have slow starts relative to the rest of the season. It's not that interesting. Maybe let's not. But let's assume that that's yeah. true. Um then the the whole thing they're going to start to jump ugly on Kyrie's leadership abilities and all that and just like up oh, you know Boston Celtics 2.0 um but they it won't mention the Chinese rest I'll say that I just th- I think that he is because Ke- Kevin Durant isn't here I think so much of it it will be on Kyrie in a good way and you know, if you look across his career, it was early on without LeBron and Kyrie was the guy, but he was so young. Then it was all LeBron. Then he goes on the Celtics team, which should have been a good situation, but really he gets injured. And then he has these young sophomore and junior, you know, these second and third year players 
who he has to appease and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward situation coming in as well. Um, this is actually the best situation he's ever been in for his own personal success individually on the basketball court. This team is built to be servicing him his needs. He hasn't had a guy like Joe Harris. He played with Kyle Korver, but again, he played with LeBron. So like there's a bifurcated uh, sort of attention paid to both of those guys in terms of ball need. I th- I just, this team is, he's going to play with either Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan all the time. Two of the better big men rolling to the hoop and dunking the ball. It This is all will be beautifully done with Kyrie. And again, I don't, I know there will be personality stuff. There will be rumors. We've seen it this year already. Uh, this like past month, the Nets are in the headlines way more than they ever were. For things that the exact situation could have happened, but the Nets wouldn't have been discussed, but now they are because they have Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Like Kevin Durant talks about how the Knicks aren't cool, and then that's like a story for 18 days. Um, I just think that this whole entire situation is set up perfectly for Kyrie. And if it doesn't work, they can trade him for D'Angelo Russell, and we can get him back. So it's like no big deal. Let's just do that. Really cool. If it sucks. Um, do you want to? That was really positive, and I loved it. Let's go a little <laughs> negative if you want, just to mix it up. Please. Compliment sandwich. Um, yes. <clears throat> so this is the um, Nutella in the middle of this uh, compliment sandwich, meaning this is the negative part. This is the Justin Hamilton I Lied on My Resume Award. Um, although yes. Nutella is positive, so that doesn't fit. I'll have to think about this one. Um, for me, the Justin Hamilton I Lied on My Resume Award is going to be going to Torian Prince's defense. Um, that is mm. that as a as a resident three and D guy, uh, I've been seeing a lot of versatile offensive stuff that I didn't think that he had, you know, um, in the preseason. And I saw him getting roasted in the low post by Pascal Siakam. I saw him getting lost multiple times in team defense rotations. I saw him completely lose interest in a couple defensive possessions. Um, the D element on that three and D player. I'm a little concerned about Mike. That may have been a lie on the resume. A hundred percent. And that's why, you know, I was reading some reporting about him because he had looked so good offensively in the preseason. And when you look back at the Hawks reporting, the reason why he fell out of the rotation or was disfavored by the coaching staff was because of his defense. Mm-hmm. And why did the Nets lose in the playoffs against the Sixers? Well, because the Sixers have more talent. Plus, the Nets couldn't defend anyone. And what this team really needs, that's why Nawaba is going to get a lot of run. Because Nawaba, at least visually, looks like he's playing defense more than any guy out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I still think Jared Allen should start, even though we both are quite excited about DeAndre Jordan. I just think Jared Allen still is a better defender as we speak right now. Um, I This team needs to get way better defensively to be not taken seriously. They're taken seriously, but like they just need to get better defensively. And Prince needs to be part of that. Like Prince and Karuks, those guys, and Musa, my boy, but Musa's not going to really be part of the equation. They yeah. need to play defense. I mean, we they don't, need to. We don't to have focus a power forward, it. and if Torian Prince is going to be our like starting de facto starting power forward, just like watching him go against Pascal Siakam was like, uh oh, rut row. This is trouble. Um, yeah, on the defensive end, and I, I wonder how much they're going to play around with like. I know this is well. Certain teams, Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan, on the floor at the same time. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's offensively. That's going to be rough. 
rough sledding, but I think they're going to need to have that lineup kind of play somewhat during the season and let it fail continually, but to give it a shot because there's like when they play the Sixers, if they play the Sixers, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan will probably both have to be the floor unless if Kevin Durant is back by that time and then the Nets will win the the NBA championship. So it would, won't matter at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, any more superlatives? I think we have one more, right? Um, well, we've got a lot more. Hey, Mike, do you want to split yes. this up into a part one and part two? Yeah, we can do part two tomorrow. That works. Because I want to get to this other stuff. Um, I think it's good. This was the glue, guys, on The Athletic. It, it's such a joy to be at The Athletic. This pod is only going to elevate. You're only going to get more content from us. We're going to do a part two Nets season preview. You're going to see it in your feed on Tuesday. Very exciting. Brian, oh, I couldn't be more thrilled with this arrangement. It's, it's just going it, to... It's a beautiful partnership. A very nice position. I mean, we are hashtag blessed, and it's, it's going to be a great... You know, that's how I feel. Great talking to you, Brian. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Uh, thanks for having Bye. me. Bye. Yeah, boy. Yeah.